Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. This is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Alongside Frank Stample, I am Greg Sussman. Frank, hey, what's going on, bud? Greg, hey, happy Monday. And I really needed the weekend to end. It was, uh, it was a long weekend. It was a fun weekend. Lots of baseball. Game of Thrones was insane last night. Uh, but as I referenced on Friday, Greg, I told you my fiance wasn't around for this weekend. And I need her around, man, to hold me in check. Because when she's not around... I just do a bunch of crazy stuff, and I'm I'm banged up. I'm <laughs> so, honestly banged. Up. So so I, I I need her around. So I did have Judy around all weekend. And you're still banged up. And Friday night, I could I couldn't drink beer yet, right? I was only able to drink wine. And I drank quite a bit of it. We had you know basically a bottle to the face per person, so that was cool. And then the <laughs> next Tyrion night, Lannister style. Yeah, exactly. And then the next night, uh, I I could drink beer, and wine and other liquors. And so I did all that. Yesterday, Frank, I was, I was bad. Like, I was moving around really slowly, and I kept going to the bathroom, obviously. And Judy's like, is your stomach bothering you? And I was like, no. I was, like, going very slowly. She's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm, I'm hungover. She's like, ah. Double hangover. That's the worst. She's man. like, you couldn't even. She's like, this is weird that you're hungover. I'm not. I'm just like, I'm just going slowly this morning, please. I just was not the same until, like, dinner. What do you think's going on with us right now? Is there something like deep down, like subconsciously? Honestly, when I went to bed, when I went to bed last night, have these crazy weekends. I woke up like before my alarm this morning, and honestly, because I wanted to check if I got uh, Carter Kirby on my team, um, so I got up before my alarm this morning. I was like wide awake. I was like, wow. So this is how it feels to, like wake up and like not be hungover. <laughs> this is how it good it feels to be refreshed after a long night of sleep. I didn't get out of my bed till like four thirty. <laughs> it was, it was I got out of bed because I had to do some work in the morning. And I was like, oh, crap. I left this to Sunday morning. I had to do some work. Then I had to go to the supermarket. Then I went to a, a Mr. Robot, what I thought was like the, I was going to see like a screening of it. Instead, I just heard like Rami Malek and Christian Slater like talk for like an hour. I'm like, this is very boring. Like, cool. Like, Rami Malek was cool. Right? Like, that's awesome seeing him there. But I'm like, this is, this is boring. I, I don't want to be here. I want to just be like on my couch passing out during the Yankee game. And I couldn't. And it was like, I did it for annoying. you, Greg. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Matty Mo, you hungover? I am not hungover. Uh, I did thoroughly enjoy Game of Thrones. I did have one criticism on it, but otherwise it was fantastic. Was your criticism how dark it was, Modiga? Because that's basically my only criticism. Uh, basically, depending on your TV. The one in my bedroom was like barely just watching shadows. The one in my living room was fine. But I think not enough people died. I'll say that. So I agree. Not enough. Not enough. Of the main characters died. 
um, which is just ridiculous. Maybe they're saving it for the next war, Greg. Which is ridiculous because they all got like stabbed a thousand times. Um, but nevertheless, I, I, I agree with that. I also the the cloudiness didn't bother me so much because I watch it like you, Matt. Like everything dark. There's there's no lights on. So like it was all right for me. Yeah, I mean, we had to shut the lights off while you're right, Craig. I was trying to hold it in as long as possible until the camera got off of me. I was trying so hard, I failed. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah, so I had to like shut the lights off halfway through the episode. I watch them all. Really, like, all it was, I was getting a glare on the TV. It wasn't working out well. Um, but then, you know, once it shut off the lights, got a little bit better. It was all right. No, I thought, I thought it was... It was a great was episode. Awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was dope. A lot of people are like, you know, I mean, salty you know, about it. They have their criticisms. Like, come on. like no matter what, people aren't going to be happy. Greg. Agreed. No matter, what, no matter so, what they do. Yeah, Matt. I'll say one thing. I think when, you know, uh, the old man was in charge of it, they followed his thing. Yeah. It was a lot more darker and a lot less Hollywood, put it that way. Yeah, I, I, there, I agree with that. I, I very much agree with that. There's a lot of fan service, like not killing off people. George R. R. Martin probably would have killed off. I agree with that totally, Matt. Um, I, I, so my issue, like I said, I loved the episode. I don't want to be the guy that says, I didn't like the episode. Blah, blah, blah. I loved it. It was awesome. But, like, I had nitpicks, and, like, my friends are going crazy because I have these nitpicks. I think they're fair nitpicks. They really do. <laughs> like, we built up for years, 8,000 years of the White Walkers and the Night King, and they just, in 80 minutes, they're just gone. Like, all right, it's over. I was like, that's kind of ridiculous. Or are they, Greg? Right, right. No, I don't, I so that was, so was kind of ridiculous. That bothered me. The second thing was, like, the spoiler alert, don't listen if you don't want to, if you haven't watched yet. Yeah, if you haven't watched it, this is your time. Take well, off. Take off. One, two, three. Okay. So when Arya kills the Night King, like, she just comes out of nowhere. Like, how did you get through the entire army of the dead and the other White Walkers? Well, Greg, I told you. It's very simple. I told you this downstairs. She's a ninja assassin. Yeah. You yeah. can sneak around anywhere. It doesn't matter, Greg. So that bothered me. And then the so last I, thing. I, yeah. I will say, I was happy that it was Arya and not Jon sure. Snow or Danny. And Arya, like Frank said, is this assassin, the faceless man and all that. She is one of the people of, like, death. That the line with her and Missandry was excellent when she said, "We met before, and you'll close a lot of eyes—brown ones, green ones, and blue eyes." So they changed that, that line, cool. Matt. They changed it. I watched that first scene back with Melisandre and Arya. Blue eyes is not last. Green eyes. Who has green eyes? Cersei has green eyes. Just saying. It's true, Greggy. This is true. And in the last see. note that I was also kind of thinking, Jon Snow, he's not really great at like these strategies at all. He <laughs> like every time he's wrong. He's not a great commander. False. Well, Greg, he screamed in the face of a dragon and killed it. Duh. You think he probably thinks that he's like, oh yeah, it was it was all because of me. I screamed in a dragon's face and it died. <laughs> yeah, but, but but the thing is, like, he lost the dragon. He would have lost the Battle of the Bastards if it wasn't for Sansa. He would have lost this one if it wasn't for Arya. He's not great. He's doing all he well, can, Greg. We did learn one thing. It's do not run at the Night King. No. Everybody that attempted that was, you know, yeah, that's, you know. Oh, I love the uh, dragon fight. Dracarys. He's just like looking back <laughs> up at her, smiling, smirking. That was... That was a great scene. I enjoyed that. That no, was a great episode. Aria was actually my favorite part of the episode the entire time. Like her going through the halls, doing the, the, the water dancing stuff. Like that was dope. Yeah. And then her, you know, trying to sneak around the whatever it was, library or whatever. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Was awesome. Great episode. I enjoyed it. It was. It was fantastic. It, 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 it was fantastic. Uh, let's get into baseball because as I said, 
I slept well after the episode. As Frank knows, they tried doing waivers like two hours after Game of Thrones, and at that point, I was Greg I was, was passed out. They started it literally. It was midnight. Like, I was sleeping. Like I'm there. I'm around for it. I know last night Thrones was an hour and a half long. So and then we all we don't necessarily like I watched HBO Go like you do. So I started at like nine ten and started exactly nine o'clock. So. By the time we all kind of like decompressed a bit, it's like eleven thirty, and so Frank sends out the all right. Here's what I'm thinking, and I I passed out. And that was it. Um, and I didn't even get yelled at for it by you guys. You're just like he fell. Because I was trying to go to sleep too, and Florio wasn't texting me back quick enough. I'm like, you're like you got. Oh, you I'm going to sleep, man. Yeah. So. But I did pass out after Thrones, but I kept waking up in the middle of the night. This is so pathetic. Thinking like, should I check my phone if we got Carter Key Room? Like, should I do it? Should I do it? And I held out until right before my alarm went off this morning. So I got him in my home league. Frank, you got him in the main event. You got him in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational uh, as well, I believe. I did. And we kind of figured it out on Friday that we were going to be all in on this guy. Like, we talked it up. We, look, we looked at the other prospects that could be called up that aren't owned. And we decided, like, he's the guy for us this year. And we went all in. Now that you got him, and I got him, how are you feeling about it? I feel good that I got him overall. I guess uh, for me, this was my Clint Frazier for Modica. You know, I, when Modica came on a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago around this time, uh, he says, look, I'm going to be aggressive with Clint Frazier. You get him early on in the year. You have him for the rest of the season. Now, since then, Clint Frazier had to be sacrificed, as all Yankees players are now <laughs> sacrificed. Yesterday, they lose DJ LeMahieu. <laughs> and of all people, Gio Urshela, who's actually performing really well for the Yankees. So they lose both of those guys. Uh, but... My thinking was basically spot on with what Matt was saying a month ago is I want to be aggressive early on on this guy. He's one of the top prospects in baseball. No, he's not Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but you know, looking at some prospect lists, this is a guy who can make a legitimate difference, and I understand people have concerns about, okay, well, once Trey Turner's back, where is he going to play? The cream, the cream always rises to the top. And so far, Greggy, he has been the cream, and he's been performing very well in his first couple of games. So uh, I was aggressive here, spent... $353 out of a $1,000 budget. I had um, a little under $700 left in both leagues. So uh, I got him in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. The next closest bid was like $320. So that was good. And I spent $353. In the main event, the backup bid was not $320. No. It was $139, which was Modica. But I think overall, the way that we read the market, we weren't that far off seeing what the backup bid was in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. And then... In GST last night, which is another 15-team roto, he goes for 322. We were, so I don't we think were right we were there. off in terms of the market. Well, we knew, we knew theoretically, a lot of times when you bid, and Matt will discuss it in a few moments, like you bid because you're, you're comfortable at that price. Like, I know if I bid this, like, I'm in the market, I'm in the range, I kind of want him. But if you want a guy, like the Giants do with Daniel Jones, you go out and get him. And when we bid 353, or, or you asked me how much to bid, my number was 353 to you. I said, like, that's a number that you could win him at. Like, that's a number that there's a very good chance you get him at. And you have to be aggressive there, and you want to go out and get your guy. Matt, judging by your bid, it didn't sound like you were, I guess, all the way in as Frank and I were on Carter Keeboom. What did you think? What do you think of him? What did you think of our bids? Uh, and, and where are you at with that? Oh, I bid on him in pretty much every league. And in that main event league, I just, I think I had like $459 left. So I couldn't bid uh you know over what i bid i had to make a reasonable bid to try and get it and i was the runner up i got him in two other spots for 167 and 169 with the runner-up bids being like 
158 and 154. So I was really happy about that. And I I like him. I, I've been I said it early, I said it prior to the season. Uh at my drafts and auctions, I've been very aggressive with these uh prospects. I think the game has changed. Uh you don't wait years for these guys to get called up anymore. If they make an immediate impact, they stay. We saw what Juan Soto did last year as a member of the Nationals. He hit. And look, Juan Soto was 19 years old, but he hit. He stayed in that lineup, and, you know, he's a fantastic player. Not all of these guys are going to hit. There is risk with Keyboom that he could go back down, but I own Rendon in a lot of places. And the places I owned Rendon and Trey Turner, I was super aggressive because I think, you know, if Rendon goes on the DL, you got Turner out for another month. You know, you have to take shots. Even if you're wrong, you have to take shots on guys. I completely agree, and you actually taught me that, really, that, not that the cream rises, but when these young players come up, you take a shot because who knows what it could turn into. And I had Juan Soto in the back of my mind throughout this bid with Carter Keboom. Uh, we were aggressive on Clint Frazier because of that, because we, we figured, you know, the, these things ultimately work themselves out, and, and I think the same would be said for Carter Keboom, that when Trey Turner comes back next month, theoretically, if Kibu was hitting, he'll find a place in the lineup, whether that's at second base or Brian Dozier is only under contract for a year, whether that's in right field for Adam Eaton. These things work themselves out all the time. So I wanted to be aggressive on Kibu. I know he's batting ninth, which is frustrating. It's good for Victor Robles owners, right? Um, but for Carter Kibu batting ninth, that's annoying, but he's going to get a chance to play every day for the next month or so. We'll see what happens after that. And it's worth mentioning that I had Aaron Judge in the main event, too. And obviously, he doesn't play the same position. He doesn't play outfield. But I needed a little shot in the arm here after Aaron Judge goes down. And I picked up Dexter Fowler last week, but I knew that wasn't a long-term answer. So I'm really hoping that uh, at least until Judge come back, it, you know, it could be similar timelines here. U- ultimately, I do think that if Kibun performs, he'll stay in the lineup. Uh, but I did need some kind of, you know, shot in the arm there after losing Judge. So Ryan Zimmerman. be able to provide that. Ryan Zimmerman on the DL, or IL, rather, uh, it's crazy. I'm on MLB.com, and it still says DL, so that's ridiculous. And, um, and if I can make a point from last week, I mean, look what people were paying for Cole Tucker. They were $300 yeah. bids, yep. over $200 uh, in many uh, places. So, look, Keeboom can hit. I don't know how great his defense is, but like you said, they'll find a way, and if uh, Dozier doesn't continue to hit, or, I mean, you can't rely on Ryan Zimmerman to even put anything else the rest of the season. Maybe Dozier plays first base with Matt Adams. There's plenty of opportunities. That's, so that's exactly what I was going to say. With Zimmerman's out, Zimmerman, you know, who knows how long he'll be out with this injury. Maybe Brian Dozier all of a sudden winds up at first base. Like, they're going to find a way. They did it with Juan Soto last year. They'll do it again. There'll be other injuries. So that's why I wanted to be aggressive uh, with Kibum, and I'm glad we were, and, and I'm glad it worked out, and, and hopefully he works out. Yeah, I think I have him in four of seven of my, you know, leagues that I'm actually playing out aside from best ball leagues. So, yeah, I was really aggressive on Keyboom. Spoke a lot about him on Friday with Florio. I, you know, I read a few prospect reports regarding him, and, you know, they give him the player comp of Alex Bregman. Very lofty expectations, and even Bregman didn't perform right away when he first came up. But, I mean, that's the type of player that they're thinking ultimately Keyboom can develop into. So, um, and, and the fact that the Nationals are just really aggressive with their prospects, and I think they'll keep him around. Uh, yeah. I have him in uh, over half of my leagues right now, and I'm excited about it. Yeah. Excited about it, Craig. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously excited about it also. Uh, we'll see ultimately what happens. Other than Carter Keboom, the next 
uh, in the main event for you, the next highest bid was Michael Chavis, who you just missed out on. Would you have gotten him and Kiba, or, or is he a backup bid for you? No, no, no. So the, I put the backup bid at oh, 2.5. Not you. That wasn't my backup bid. Okay. So my bid, I think I had 120 on okay. him, and it was a backup to, to Keyboom too. Okay. So I wasn't going to get both of these guys on my team. But, yeah, ultimately, Michael Chavis goes for $241. Uh, we spoke about him a lot last week as well. We'll get Modica's thoughts when we come back. But yeah. I, I think it's a similar situation. As long as he hits, he's going to remain in the red, in the lineup for the Red Sox. And so far, it's been a little bit up and down, but some power, some speed, it's been all right. I saw Matt tweeting about Emilio Pagan. We're going to do that as well because there's a lot to get into there. Waiver recap continues on on the BFFs right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day. 10 an hour. One person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621. 866-484-9621. That's 866-484-9621. In this league. Hiring Cliff Kingsbury and drafting Kyler Murray number one overall is your Hail Mary if you're Steve Kahn. Because if this works out and it looks good this year, if they go at least eight and eight, maybe he gets to keep his job. But if they win four to five games this year, I would say anywhere between four to seven. They don't finish 500. He is gone. Saturdays, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Fantasy BFFs, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. What are doing here, Greg? Well, I, I, know, I know the song. Great song. I you were loaded. A lot of red wine. A lot of red wine. <laughs> <laughs> this is what it is. What it is. Uh, Matt Modica is joining us for Modica Monday. You can follow him at CTM Baseball and read all of his work at The Athletic. Matt's a friend of the program, joins us each and every Monday here. Oh, uh, we just got breaking news, too, Greg. What do you got? Matt Modica yep. just retweeted it from Ken Rosenthal. Rays promoting first baseman Nate Lowe, their minor league player of the year last season. He was betting 300 with a 987 OPS. This was actually a player that I was stashing in the great fantasy baseball invitational because I thought it was only a matter of time. He had 27 home runs in the minors last year. Uh, he is not brothers of, of uh, Brandon Lau. There's three Lau's in their organization. And I think he's Nate Lowe. His brother is Josh Lowe. He's another prospect. And then they have Brandon Lau. So 
There's a lot of Not lows and there's a lot of lows, basically, in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. But this guy's coming, and uh, I like him a lot as well. So, Matty Mo, you just retweeted it. How good is um, he? If people, uh, if people are playing in first-come, first-serve leagues right now and they can still go out there and pick him up, how uh, imperative is, them, is that for them to go get Nate Lowe right now? Oh, I think if you have the spot, why not? You know, you always want to see what happens. You, you can't wait. And if you get him, if he's terrible after a week or two and you want to move on, that's fine. But he's going to be a guy that I'm going to anticipate uh, this upcoming Sunday night is going to go for some nice cash. Better or worse I'm going to uh, guess that I'm not going to be in on that bidding, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> is he better or worse than Carter Kibo? Is he better or worse? Look, it's two different things here. You got a shortstop and a first baseman. Uh, you look at the average. I'm not a prospect guru, but you know you had to go after uh, Carter Keboom because he was the guy that was available then. You don't know what's going to happen, even if you anticipated his arrival, which as Frank Frank did properly and others were saying, it was a matter of time. You can't just wait and hope you get the next guy. Because what if somebody has a great week this week? There's seven full days, and he bats uh, five. Uh, hits, uh, you know, bats five hundred, hits a bunch of homers. You're going to be paying over five hundred dollars. Oh, yeah, man. absolutely. So he's batting three hundred this year, Greggy, in AAA in 21 games, 70 at bats, and last year he hit three thirty in 130 games with 27 home runs and 102 ribbies. So yeah, I was stashing him in the great fantasy baseball invitational. Picked him up a few weeks ago for $7 out of 1000 So I'm interested to see uh, how much he will end up going for next week if he has a good week this week. So uh, Nate Lowe is actually a guy that, I would, uh, that I'm pretty excited about, Greg. I was going to write on my Patreon. I still will about the, the next wave of prospects that I think is coming. Kay. He was going to be on that list. And I think Ryan Mountcastle is another one to uh, pay attention to with the Baltimore Orioles. Fair enough. All right. Let's uh, continue on with some of the waiver wire stuff that did happen this past week, not anticipating uh, for next week. We mentioned Michael Chavis briefly. How high are you on him, Matt? Oh, I would like to have him on my team. I got him in a 12-team league for $49. That's the difference between a 12 and a 15. I was shocked. I just put it out there. Uh, Look, he's got the power. Uh, I was high on him a couple of years ago. He was somebody I was drafting in, like, drafting holds, those 50-rounders. And then he had the suspension last year, but he's considered, you know, if not their best, one of their best prospects for the Red Sox. Second base is a huge hole. Uh, Dustin Pedroia is done. And as long as he can be adequate at the position and keeps hitting, I don't see them moving him off that. And that's what you said, Frank, that even though Pedroia and Nunez and Brock Holt coming back, Michael Chavis performs. He's not leaving the lineup, kind of like kind of like Carter Keboom. And there it is. Michael Chavis had a really nice weekend and continues to hit. Yeah, Greg, we're starting to see more and more teams in baseball kind of sacrificing defense in order to put their best lineup out there. Yeah. The Brewers kind of started the trend, you know, moving Travis Shaw last year to second base. Now this year using Mike Moustakis at second base. Teams just want to try and uh, maximize their offensive output, and that's what they're trying to do here with Michael Chavis. You know, he's not going to play third base because they have Devers. He's not going to play first because... Uh, they have Mitch Moreland, so they stick him in that second base. It's probably not the ideal situation defensively, but uh, he does offer them a little bit of pop in the middle infield, so uh, he's going to gain that eligibility soon as well, so you'll have the middle infield, corner infield. Again, uh, you know, try and get as many of these prospects on your team as you possibly can, see if they hit, uh, and then you know, see if you have something for the rest of the season. So again, Keyboom, Chavis, people are aggressive on them. Nate Lowe, just another one. Um, I like Chavis. I have him in a few locations, and I, I told you last week, Greg, I'm not... Not worried about Pedroia. I'm not worried about Eduardo Nunez when it comes to the Red Sox. 
Okay, so there, so there you go, Michael Chavis. Yeah, the uh, poor man's Michael Chavis, in my opinion, is a guy that I had on a couple of my uh, high stakes leagues. They're like satellite leagues, not overall competitions. And now I pretty much have him on every team. And that's David Bote of the Cubs, yep. who just did get second base eligibility to go along with the third base eligibility. I know Addison Russell will be coming back at some point in time, but you know, you got the uh, you got some other players on that team that just aren't performing. And I think they really like Bote. I I I think you know they gave him some money, and I think he's a guy that can be in deeper leagues a profitable player. Yeah, David Bote. Uh... So hot over the weekend that it's interesting. I read this article or these tweets. I'm sure you guys have seen it by now. That Joe Madden likes to make his lineups days in advance for the series. So every player kind of has an idea of what they're doing uh, for that series. And he made it over the weekend. And David Bodie was not supposed to be in the lineup uh, yesterday. And Ben Zobris and I guess a couple of the other veterans for Chicago went to Joe Madden. I was like, listen, this guy needs to be in the lineup. I, I, I shouldn't be. And they put Bodie in over Zobras. Now, Zobras wound up coming in the 10th and playing half a game anyway. Um, but David Bodie, earning the respect of his teammates, the trust of his manager, and could be a good play right now uh, as we wait for Addison Russell to return. Yeah, I think that's a good call by Matt. I wanted to hear his thoughts on him because he ended up picking him up in the main event. So, uh, yeah, David Bodie, another one who's going to have the middle infield, the corner infield. Obviously, a great lineup here with the Chicago Cubs. He's off to a good start, hitting 279. Three home runs, 14 ribbies, and he's now played three days in a row. So there's more of a deeper play for now. Obviously, should be owned in a only 15-team mix, but if there's a guy who starts to play every single day moving forward or, let's say, five out of six games throughout a week, then he could find some relevance uh, in shallower leagues as well. But I do agree, in deeper leagues, he does have some upside, especially in the Cubs lineup. Just a great lineup. Absolutely. Okay, um, moving on. I mentioned before the break, Emilio Pagan. And... This thing's this one's weird. I, I I don't get this one. Like I think it sounds like Emilio Pagan's kind of like the new Diego Castillo uh, for this team. Where all right, Jose Alvarado facing the heart of the order. Now they'll go to Pagan in the ninth. And ever since he's been back up, it's like save, 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 save. So much so that you went and bought a closer. Yeah, look, I'm not even a Pagan believer. You know, I he's not a guy that I think he's the he's he's third best out of those three arms. You know, and I think it's a significant difference. I think Castillo and uh, Alvarado are much better, but he's gotten three saves in a week. And for $49, I didn't think I was going to win it, but 49 bucks, I'll take it. I'll see what happens. And if it, if it doesn't work out, I lost, you know, 5%. If not, if it does, then, you know, hey, but I have Alvarado in, in multiple leagues, so I'm, I'm pulling for him. Yeah, really interesting situation here for the Tampa Bay Rays. All three of Alvarado, Diego Castillo, and Emilio Pagan have three save opportunities on the year, and all three of them have converted on all three. So they each have three saves. You know, originally we thought, all right, maybe this was like a 60-40 situation with Alvarado and Diego Castillo uh, coming into the year early on. And then last week we see Pagan get the two saves in back-to-back days. And everything that I read into it was, all right, they wanted to get both Alvarado and Diego Castillo some days off, back-to-back days, because they had been pitching so much. I think at the time, the middle of last week, they both had uh, 13 relief appearances already. So he's like, look, we're going to burn these guys out. I got to, you know, I can't use them every single day. So I thought, all right, they're just going to give them two days off. And then it turns out, again, Greg, over the weekend, Emilio Pagan gets another save. So really interesting situation. I agree with Matt. I, I think both of uh, Alvarado and Castillo are more talented pitchers, but 
know, Kevin Cash and the Tampa Bay Rays organization, Greg, when you yep. think that they're doing one thing, they're going to swerve and they're going to do something differently. And ultimately, it's been working out. Look how, you know, look at their record. Look at what the Rays have done so far to start the season. So, and you really question the madness? It sucks for fantasy purposes, but it's working for the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Um, it's madness, and it's frustrating from a fantasy perspective, as Frankie mentioned. But it's working, and Kevin Cash doing a nice job. I saw another good article uh, today, this morning actually, saying that the Rays winning is actually bad for baseball because it shows you that with a $60 million payroll and really bright minds, you can win, and it will force teams once again not to pay free agents, theoretically. Okay, I was wondering where you were going for that with that because I was like, what? It's actually a really cool story, the fact that they can compete with these juggernauts, the Red Sox with the big payroll, the Yankees with the big payroll, uh, just, you know, kind of doing things differently, you know, reinventing the wheel here. Last year with the, uh, with the opener uh, and putting together a scrappy lineup like they have done, they always have great prospects. They have a, you know, great development minor league system too, but I see what you're saying with that. Um, we'll see. I mean, not every team can pull it off. The Tampa Bay Rays have been one of these teams that can do it the past couple of years, but I'm not sure every team is equipped to kind of do what they do. I agree with you. I, I, yes, Matt. I agree that it's bad for baseball in this aspect. Yep. If you're going to have a salary cap, which they pretty much have, you, you know, there's a huge tax when you go over it and stuff. There should be a floor of $100 million. And every team should be able to meet that quota. You know, I understand you can do it with 60, but that'll make the salaries for everyone better in, 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 in the long run, in my opinion. I completely, I completely agree with that philosophy. He, he, he's absolutely right. So one day during the break, when you were, I was looking at your main event results, guys, and I saw that Jose Peraza went for $158, and I was surprised that I asked Frank, I was like, wait a minute, did I miss something? Is Peraza hot again? And Frank's like, no, he just shouldn't have been available. Mm-hmm. Like, why shouldn't have he? He stinks. Like, he's horrible. Yeah, but, but there's a big but. And last year, if you look at April, yes. he had the, pretty much the same stats right. after one month. So he's not a guy that I don't think you could give up on right now. Look, Nick Senzel is on his way. I listened to two uh, radio broadcasts of the Reds on my way into the city last week and during the game, and they're pretty much, he's just getting at bat. He needs to see pitches right now and will be a part of this team. But a guy like Peraza, if you drafted him, I don't see how you can just give up on him. And, you know, because he does have that stolen base upside. He's an injury away from even more playing time. I mean, Julio Iglesias, you know, uh, can't live on forever. Julio Iglesias, Enrique's father. <laughs> I'm dating myself. You are. <laughs> I agree with Modica. Look, this what I told you is he shouldn't be available in a, in a 15-team league. In your 12-team league, uh, in a points league, you know, maybe you get rid of him. In Roto, I'm still not going to drop him just because of that speed upside that Modica mentioned, but... It's it's been an up and down year so far for the Reds offense. I think it's been more down. They've shown signs of coming around. Jesse Winker has Yasiel Puig a little bit. Joey Votto off to a slow start. So overall, the Reds offense hasn't been great to start the year. He's hitting 188 with two home runs, five ribbies, and two stolen bases. So overall, he still hasn't been great, but still has two homers, still ha- still has two steals. Greg, this is a guy who has good bats to ball skills. He's actually been known for his batting average all throughout the minors, and he had a good batting average last year in the majors. So ultimately. You know, I still think that he's too young where the Reds are not going to give up on him. And I think fantasy owners shouldn't be giving up on him, especially in Roto Leagues. It doesn't matter. 12, 15 teams, maybe even 10 teams. I don't know if I want to give up on him in a Roto League yet just because of that stolen base upside. Uh, But especially 15 teamers. He just shouldn't have been available, in my opinion. 
We I actually dropped in the fourteen team league in our work league. I dropped Jose Peraza for Eduardo Escobar last week. We talked about it on the air. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Eduardo Escobar is hot. And I told you, like every single day, it's what I do here, he has like you know three more hits, three more hits. He has a multi home <laughs> run game. So Eduardo Escobar, a guy who got off to a slow start, they're different players. I mean, Eduardo Escobar sure. is not going to give you any stolen bases. He's not going to give you speed, but he's hitting second in an okay lineup with the Diamondbacks, but he's in a good spot where he's going to score runs. Another guy who's, you know, he's going to put the bat on the ball a lot. Uh, he's going to have an okay batting average, has 20 to 25 home run upside, and he's hot right now. So uh, in a head-to-head categories league like that, Greg, where we don't have the deepest rosters, I don't have a huge problem with it. All right, good. Um, let's continue on, shall we? And let's get to some ugly players like Eric Sogard and Hunter Pence. <laughs> What's wrong with those guys, Greg? You don't like how they look? I, I, know, I don't mind how they look. I really <laughs> admire Eric Sogard's glasses. But why are we picking them up, Frankie? Well, they're hot. I mean, this is the Greg theory, right? Sure. These players are hot right now. And the Texas Rangers, one of the best lineups in the league. And, you know, coming into the year, we knew they had Joey Gallo. But ultimately, we were like, eh, you know, this lineup doesn't look that good. It's still a great environment to hit in when it comes to Texas. And Hunter Pence is red hot right now. And he's hitting in the middle of one of the best lineups. So, and I thought it's I thought it's been really interesting that they're finding ways to get Danny Santana in the lineup too. You know, I had him in I have him in a few leagues. I have not dropped him yet because uh, you know I was worried about when Rudnett Odor came back. What are they going to do with Danny Santana? Well, they've been playing him at first base. You know, Ronald Guzman has been out with an injury, uh, so they really like Danny Santana. They're trying to find ways to get him in the lineup. Uh, but Matt, overall, uh, just you know, the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, their, their offense seems like got a shot in the arm once Vlad got called up. Uh, everyone's performing. Well, like, Brandon Drury's red hot, too. Yep. And so is Eric Sogard. These things, like, it's going to have to figure itself out when it, ter- when it comes to uh, playing time if Freddie Galvis is healthy, uh, healthy. It seems like they have a lot of people there. But uh, overall, Sogard and uh, Hunter Pence, two of the hottest guys in baseball. Get the Blue Jays while you can, Matt. Yeah, no, look, Sogard the week prior, I got him. I put in for Cole Tucker and somebody else. And he's probably like my third uh, conditional bid. And I had to play him. I didn't have a shortstop. Trey Turner was out. And he was fantastic last week. We saw this a couple of years ago when he was in Milwaukee. He had a, I don't know if it was a month, but at least a two or three week run where he was just on fire, you know, hitting for average, putting a couple of balls over the over the fence. So it's a good, another guy, you know, he, he costs you nothing and you ride it for however long it takes and then you get off. Okay. Yeah, I mean, me personally, I didn't pick those guys up, but I understand why people wanted to because, I mean, they're hot right now. And Hunter Pence, just really interesting for him. I mean, you know, he's been hurt a ton over the past couple of years. You know, his fantasy upside was sapped because he played in uh, San Francisco, huge ballpark. But now he's in Texas where it's a really, really good ballpark and he's hitting the middle of the lineup. Three homers, 13 runs, 13 ribbies. The counting stats have been there. Hitting the ball extremely hard. He's got a 47% hard hit rate. So I agree with Matt when it comes to both of these guys. Just ride them while they're hot. Don't overspend for them. Uh, but And as soon as they you know start to slow down or if they start to lose some playing time, that's all right. You cut bait. But if you could grab a few home runs from these guys or some good batting average, why not? Well, they're sure. hot. I get it. Hey, you're preaching to the choir, my man. You're preaching to the choir. The Greg Sussman theory. Absolutely. We mentioned one closer before. We're going to sneeze again. This is crazy. Um... We mentioned the closer before, and that was Emilio Pagan. AJ Minter's doing the best he can to lose this job uh, in Atlanta. He got blown up, brought back the next day, just as he had before, and was close to blowing up again. 
Braves brought in Luke Jackson, who closed this thing out. I don't understand why this team has not signed Craig Kimbrell yet. It doesn't make sense to me. They're not proving themselves to be winners. Maybe they're waiting until after the draft in June. I don't know. But Luke Jackson, I know he went for around the same in your main event as Emilio Pagan did. I think it's worth it, man. I, I really do, Matt. Yeah, I mean, at this point, why not? I think the main reason the Braves are not signing Kimbrell right now <clears throat> has to do with the problem they had uh, a couple of years ago where they got reprimanded by the league what they were doing with the international signings and it would take away pretty much most of their money they would lose slots and stuff like that so I think after June if he's still there then they'll sign alright we'll take a break here when we come back we'll uh, wrap it up with Matt with some more waiver wire talk and we'll get into the two star pitchers stick around Fantasy Sports Network is ready to take you out to the ballgame. Our experts and analysts are following the boys of summer through all 162 games of the 2019 MLB season with the best fantasy baseball analysis in the industry. Catch the latest news and notes every day to help you win your fantasy leagues and your DFS tournaments. We'll always want you back listening and watching the Fantasy Sports Network on the FNTSY radio app and the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, where we're root, root, rooting for your fantasy baseball team. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Fantasy Sports Today. And it's such a shame that Daniel Jones's uh, Giants career is starting this way. It's not so much yet. negativity. Exactly. And, you know, I was watching some of the coverage on ESPN last night, and he was interviewed by them. And, of course, they had to ask him what he thought about all the uh, negativity and the, the surrounding, you know, his pick at number six. And he danced around it. You could tell he was uncomfortable. Unfortunately, it's not going to be the first time that he's going to have to answer a question like that. Saturdays, 8 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Can't get up fantasy football? Roto Experts has launched their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, which includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package only at rotoexperts.com. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're hanging out with Matt Mutika as we are each and every Monday. I believe if I could find it. I assume I have something to read here. I can, right? Yes, Alex? Yes, do I? You're doing a great What's job. Up? Great. I'm sorry. What's up? No, don't worry about it. I, I found it. Okay. You can catch Gambling Addicts, Red Heat and Rage, Gabe Morency and Cam Stewart on Game Time Decisions, 4 p.m. Eastern weekdays right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network as they bitch and moan about their previous night's bad beats and let you know where their money is on for the upcoming games. And they bet on all of them. 
And if you can't get a computer, tablet, or mobile phone, watch the broadcast on YouTube and participate in the chat room. Or watch it on Periscope, Twitch, or countless other OTT platforms. Become part of the show. Tune in for the entertainment, the knowledge, and the extra money they can put in your pockets. It's GTD! Weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, only on FNTSY. Matty Mo, do you, want, do you watch Barry, Matt? I have not. I've heard only very good things about it, and it's probably something I will check out. But before that, I got to do a, uh, I got to do a Deadwood uh, binge. Sure, movies coming out. Yeah. So I hear you know, that's something I've always wanted to watch. Maybe I'll do the Deadwood binge also because I didn't watch Dead Deadwood. People love it. So maybe I'll do the same thing. Ian McShane's awesome too. Yeah, Ian McShane's amazing. I watched Barry, but last night I was like, I couldn't do it because I was just like, I needed a break. I was like, I watch, I watch Barry the next night. So I'm planning to watch Barry when I get home from work tonight, Frank. Do it. I haven't watched it, but I know I've seen the ads. I've seen like some commercials about it. I know you've talked about it a lot. Good. Um, looks awesome. Sounds awesome. I myself have not watched it at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Bill Hader guy, so I'm excited to watch it. Let's um, let's kind of wrap up the waiver wire talk uh, for now. And there's a bunch of names on this list, Frank. I'm going to ask you about Ty France because I don't know who that is. <laughs> so Ty France uh, is a prospect for the Padres who was absolutely destroying the ball down in AAA. Uh, they called him up. He doesn't really have anywhere to play right now. So I think this is someone just kind of taking a shot and seeing like if an injury occurs or if he gets, you know, opportunities to play a little bit here and there, like he performs, like maybe they'll give him more of a chance to play. Uh, but in 19 games this year at AAA, he had nine home runs, 28 ribbies, and was batting 423. He was actually the projected third baseman before they signed Manny Machado, Greg. But that obviously uh, went away once they signed Machado. Um, ultimately, I think it's kind of like a, a dart throw, seeing if something comes of it. Mm-hmm. But right now, he doesn't really have playing time. So, I took the dart yeah. throw. Though. I did take the dart throw in the, in the main event with Frank, uh, only because I have Fernando Tatis in a lot of leagues. And I didn't see it live, but when I saw what happened to him, it doesn't look good and seems like he's going to be out at least a – a short but possible lengthy stay on the IL, and I can see them moving Machado and giving France a shot at third. Okay. Yeah, did you see the split that Fernando Tatis did? I did. <laughs> I did see it. Uh, Greg, uh, I actually got a, a few listeners and watchers um, asking if you can actually reenact that. I cannot. You sure? Yes. I mean, I think we could set it up. Like we can, I can have Alex set up the cameras correctly. I can't do it. No, but I'm pretty sure Fernando Tatis couldn't do it either. <laughs> But he still attempted it. So you want me to tear whatever he told? Me? Is that what you're looking for? <laughs> Next time you see Greg, he's like in a wheelchair. Exactly. We're rolling him into the studio. Great. Perfect. Well, man. I mean, we always knew you were going to be the first one in a wheelchair just because you're old. But sure. now it's going to be for a different reason, Greg. Brand Sussman. Brand Sussman, indeed. I'm the three-eyed Sussman. <laughs> you're a good man, Matt Modica. You're a good man. I've, I've obviously read and like watched a lot of like recap stuff after the episode. One of the funniest things I read was, I wish that I could just leave social situations the way that Brand does. He's like, all right, Theon, good luck. I'm I'm leaving now. I'm leaving now. what? (laughs) I wish I could just leave awkward situations, too. I'm leaving now. Yeah, let me just, you know, go turn into a bunch of ravens and stuff. I'm gone. Why why did he do that, by the way? Why did he become a raven? I I don't know. What was the point of that? I mean, I think that's one of the biggest mysteries from last night is you don't really... hear me when you you said that. You don't know, like, what he was doing while he was, like, warging into these ravens? He didn't do anything. Well, I mean, he was warged for a long time. We might find out in the next couple of episodes, like maybe he was doing something of significance. Probably not. I mean, he never, he never really does anything of significance. 
Yeah, you're right. That was that was my brand rant. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's, it's good brand rant. <laughs> All right, brand. So what name uh, that's not on this list? That was the second highest bid in our GST league after Carter Kibu. $177, Matt, for Griffin Canning. Can you tell us who Griffin Canning is? Pitching for the Angels. Uh, as long as he gets the innings, the Angels are, you know, desperate for pitching. This is a, a team year in and year out where their best arms have been like Tyler Skaggs, who's, who I love but is always on the IL at least a couple times a year. Uh, Andrew Haney, very disappointing what's happened to him. So he's a guy that, yeah, you should be uh, after. I mean, $177 is is a nice amount to spend on him. But if he gets the innings, you know, if you look at his minor league numbers and stuff, it, especially in this environment of pitching, you got to take a swing. Uh, you got to take a shot. Take your swings here and there. Yeah, this is another prospect, uh, you know, kind of similar to like Nate Lowe. He's a pitcher, but, you know, just take a shot. You know, stash him on your bench, see what happens here. $177. I wouldn't have done all that, Greg. You know, I would have, you know, maybe 3 to 4%, something like that. You take a shot here and see what happens. But, you know, you want to be aggressive and get your guy. That's fine. Uh, he is the top-ranked Angels pitching prospect. Doesn't, doesn't mean all that much because they don't have, like, the greatest farm system. But, but um, the numbers in the minor leagues, 3.27 ERA and 28 career minor league starts, 142 strikeouts and 129 and a third innings pitched. So, um I agree with taking a shot. I don't know that I would have been that aggressive. Now, that minor league, those numbers that you mentioned, they're all a little skewed because he was a, a college pitcher, so he debuted in high A ball, immediately moved up to double A ball, uh, pitched really, really well in double A, and then quickly moved up to triple A last year, so he hit all three levels last season where that ERA was 5.49 in triple A, although the fifth and XF were considerably lower than that. Then this year, off to the fast start, K for nine, really good for this guy. And you like that. Are all close to 10, 9.5 for Griffin Canning. Uh, the ERA and FIP ridiculous this year. Obviously, Matt likes to look at XFIP. That was about 3.5. There's definitely some talent here. And we'll see. I mean, if he's good enough, he's going to stick in this rotation. So I'm interested. They need all the help they could get, you know, like Matt was saying. And, and this was part of my issue, Greg, when we were kind of running down um, the over-unders for MLB teams heading into the season and whether or not we, we think teams can compete for a playoff spot. I was out on the Angels because, yeah, they got Mike Trout. They got the best player in baseball. But they've done a terrible job of surrounding him with talent. You know, like, Cody Allen has been a disaster for this team, too. Starting pitching has been bad as long as Mike Trout has been on the team. They haven't had starting pitching. He doesn't have a great supporting cast either. Uh, they did call up Luis Rangifo, uh, who I picked up in the main event Oh, as you can well. this Rangifo now. I'm not. I have not confirmed. <laughs> Matt, I, I can you confirm what his, uh, how do you pronounce his last name? It actually sounded good, though. The way you said it. So. Rangifa. Rangifa. And ask Jim Sonnen. That's the guy to ask because he's really good at the pronunciations. Uh, yeah, overall, the, the Angels haven't done a great job of surrounding Mike Trout with talent, but I do agree that if this guy performs well, they need all the help they could get. So, again, take a shot. If you need a starting pitcher who has a little bit of upside here, uh, Griffin Canning is one of those. Griffin Canning, one of those high upside pitchers that you should consider. Uh, first start, I believe, is uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, right? Against the eight Royals. Brad Keller, maybe? I read that right. Is it? Might have been Nate Lowe. Maybe? Might have been Nate Lowe that's facing um, Kansas City. I got those prospects mixed up a bit. Uh, it's, yeah, it's against Toronto. This is Toronto. Oh, whoa, Vlad. Wait, boy. What do you think of Vlad this weekend, gentlemen? Um, I thought Friday was interesting, so I was watching every at-bat very intently, and the camera work that they did on that one that he hit to left field, I was like, oh, he got it. He crushed it. They're, like, doing the slow <laughs> yeah, zoom. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You see the home run, and he, like, catches it at the wall. I'm like, come on, uh. Really? This is like John Sterling of, like, cameramen right here. He's like, you know, it's like, oh, man, I was, I was so let down by that. Uh, overall, I think 
Uh, the at-bats that I saw of him, he looked very composed overall. I, I saw an at-bat on Saturday where he struck out with the bases loaded. He struck out looking, actually. It was a great pitch by Brett Anderson, though, on the inner part of the plate. Just just uh, nipped the inside corner of the plate. Uh, but overall, I think he's he seemed composed. I might be putting a little bit too much, of a, uh, too much pressure on himself, uh, but he's going to be fine. Don't worry. Don't worry about Vlad. He'll be all right. I'm, I'm not worried. The, the, <laughs> he's ignited, ignited the Blue Jays. Yeah, he did. I mean, he yeah. was part of the, the comebacks, too. I, mean, I believe he scored. Uh, I mean, he, got, he, he extended the inning on Friday night, I believe it was, and then Brendan Drury comes up and hits the home run. Uh, Matt, what have you seen from Vladimir Guerrero so far? Yeah, no, I, I... Look, like you said, you just be patient. This kid's going to be awesome. I was joking on Twitter the other day. I said I was told Vlad didn't strike out. He struck out twice in that game, as you mentioned. He also was facing uh, Chris Bassett, who, you know, last week was just unhittable, striking out 16 batters in 12 innings. Somebody I also picked up for, for on the cheap just to see who the hell Chris Bassett is going to be. I don't know if this is real, but, you know, he did strike out 34% of the batters he faced last week. Got a new kind of curve, or certain spots might uh, label it differently, but he seems to be doing something different, and somebody I wanted to take a shot for a low investment. Yeah, I was actually going to ask about Chris Bassett because he did have that hot week. Another guy that struck out a ton of batters yesterday, Ronaldo Lopez. You, I think you tweeted out, Frank. I don't think I'm, I don't know if I'm reading this. I don't know if you texted me that or you tweeted it out. I don't, I don't know if I'm reading this right, but I think you struck out 14 guys today. <laughs> that was me. I, I said, uh, you know, I might still be drunk from last night, uh, but Ronaldo Lopez has, you know, 14 strikeouts and 24 swinging strikes. Both were career highs for him. Um, yeah, he was he was awesome. But that just means that this week we're going to get the uh, six earned run. You know, it doesn't escape the second inning performance from Ronaldo Lopez. It's coming. I believe he faces the Red Sox, so. Oh, it's definitely coming. Not, not really the best match. Frankie Montas tonight against the Red Sox. Also not a great match. Yeah, nice little, nice little test there for, uh, for ranking. Uh, By the way, Mookie really, Mookie really did get hot after we called him out. Yeah, I told you that. I told people to buy low on him if you can. I mean, people were Nobody sending us crazy trade Frank called out Matt Carpenter last year. Oh, that my was, God. That was crazy, that's Matt. That's exactly right. <laughs> that was nuts. Uh, yeah, so if you guys have a player that you want me to call out, uh, just, let me know. Just let me know, and uh, hopefully I can bring him some good luck. That's funny. Um, yeah, Ronaldo Lopez against the Red Sox this week, right? Cool. So, love it. Well, it's, uh, it has blow up definitely written all over it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, are you so? Yesterday, Matt, Danny Santana played first base for the Rangers as they look to continue to get him in the lineup with Rugnet Odor back. And once again, successful. Now, I like to. I wanted to read this. I, I have this in my plans for today uh, to read this to you because you know, there's certain players that Roto World loves, and there's certain players that Roto World hates. Danny Santana is one that they just hate. Like we've been talking about. Listen, he's hot. You got to play him. He's been really good. Yesterday, he went three to four had an RBI, a stolen base. He scored three runs. So it was. He's been really good as of late. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about him picking him up and, and just kind of riding this wave. Roto World said this. Santana's second three-hit game in a row was part of the 17-hit party the Rangers put up, blah, 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 blah. Somehow, the 28-year-old who's bounced around on minor league contracts and struggled to gain any traction at the major league level in recent years is now batting 345 with a 361 OBP with two homers, five steals, nine RBIs, and 13 runs scored. As noted in this space previously, he's a bad bet to continue to rake like this. Every advanced metric suggests as much. So his only real path to continued fantasy relevance is through his legs. And even then, a poor hitter with no on-base skills won't be stealing very much. If you want to ride the hot hand, be on the, 
be on the lookout for his impending decline because it's coming. <laughs> wow, they ripped him a new one. Poor Danny what Santana. What did he do to Danny Santana? Oh my goodness gracious! Come on. I think Danny Santana slept with that guy's wife for something. He must have. Because I mean, look, I mean, you can hate on the guy, but <laughs> and I saw like whatever it was a week or two ago, he was going for like over a hundred dollars. Correct. I put, I put on bids for him, but nowhere near that. And look, if you if you won him two weeks ago, you're pretty damn happy with the Danny Santana performance. Of course you are. We picked him up in, in GSC because we lost Austin Meadows. We lost Starling Marte. We have no Stanton. So, I mean, look, it's hard to find outfielders in, in, in five outfielder leagues. And now he's going to have first base eligibility. Again, the Rangers are trying to find ways to get this guy in the lineup. They really like him. They like his you know, power speed combination that he's giving them for now. And it's, again, it's another guy. Just ride him while he's hot. It doesn't mean that he's going to do this all season long. But I picked him up in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational and in GST. And the week that he just gave me... Thrilled. It was awesome. It paid that for was a it. great week. It paid for it. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And it, look, the Rangers, again, they've scored the second most runs in baseball this season. Who would have thought that? The Mariners, number one. The Rangers, number two. Two best offenses in baseball to start the season. Well, they're hot. Their entire lineup is, is getting it done right now. Take a shot. I can't believe we... We're I don't so, know why they crushed himself. I can't believe there's nothing we could do about Tatis. This is so ridiculous. And it's terrible. I, I wasn't, I, I was actually like almost shed a tear last night when I saw that. <laughs> yeah, how about, so this, Matt, this is the situation that we're in. Uh, waivers ran overnight in the, in the GSC League. We had Fernando Tatis. We put in four, I believe four or five middle infielders and didn't get any of them. So we might end up just taking a zero here from the middle infield. We put in for Orlando Arcia like a $7 bid out of 1000 and we actually tied. What are the chances of that? We tied a bid for Orlando Arcia. He was like our last bid option. And he went to the other person. And we lost out on Luis Rangifo by like three bucks. There was a lot of bad luck last night, Matt. Yeah, this is, that's something that I've noticed happening a lot more. And it's only been a month or so into the year. And it's kind of happened a lot more. It happened to me one time earlier uh, this season. And I'm seeing where I have like quite a few conditional bids. And I lost all of them. I, I figured it out. More. What's up? Welcome to the lineup, Jesus Aguilar. What does that mean? <laughs> I... Was able to take Tatis out. I manipulated it. Oh, would you? We had someone that we can move around. So we like moved Anderson Simmons from our middle infield spot to shortstop. I moved Danny Santana from outfield to middle infield. I moved Eric Thames from first base to outfield. Look at Greg. And I moved Aguilar to first base. Well, you know what? We might be better just taking the zero. You you might want to leave Fernando Tatis in the lineup because the way that Jesus Aguilar is right now, if he gives you another O for fifteen week or something like that. Well, this is the week, says Mike Florio. Yep. This is the week. Well, well we're He's about to find out. Uh, four games at home against uh, Colorado and then the Mets. So it's not like they don't have the games. The, the opportunity should be there. And you got you got Thames on that team too, so hopefully they split it nice for you. You know what's amazing, by the way, that we still own Alex Wood. <laughs> we tried our best. I mean, he incredible. just won't leave our team. Florio loves Alex Wood. We've tried our best to drop him last night, and uh, to no avail. Matty Mo, real quick, I want to just go rapid fire with some of these two star pitchers, and you let me know whether or not they're in your lineup or not. Jeff Samarja, two starts in your lineup or not? No, everybody loves him. Look at the XFIP and his other stuff. I don't like him. Sierra and XFIP. Chris Paddock in your lineup or not? Two starts against the Dodgers yeah, and the Braves. Too good. He's been too good. You have to play him. Michael he's Pineda. Just be a week where there's some re- some regression. Michael Pineda, Matt. Out. Jake Odorizzi. Out. Tanner Roark. 
He's a coin flip, but he's not getting the innings. He hasn't given up more than three runs in any starts. Anibal Sanchez. Out. Jake Junis. Jake Junis, I'm going to roll it, and I think he's pitched better than his stats. I've got to worry about the home run ball and stuff like that, but I think he's better than what he's shown. I actually agree with you. Uh, last but not least, your boy, Adam Wainwright. In there or not? Adam Wainwright is no longer my boy. He's off my team, and he's out this week. <laughs> he's out. That is Matt Modica. There you go. Catch all his work over at theathletic.com. Follow him on Twitter, at CTM Baseball. He writes up about all the two-start pitchers as well, so make sure you head on over to The Athletic to find out all of that. Matty Moe, thanks so much for coming on, man. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. When we come back, no venture today, so Frank and I uh, will... Kind of take a look back at the weekend, some of the performances. We'll look to tonight. We'll make some lineup decisions on the air together. And we'll take your calls. 844-843-6879. Your fans are best friends forever. Roll on right after this.